0: Good day and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for Wednesday, July the 21st on this episode of The Word. The wonderful world of wheat. It is so incredible out there. It's awesome. Then, the corn crop looks incredible. Is it going to be as good as you think? After that, yellow soybeans and as many other things as I can get to at the end or along the way. I'll just run out of time. There's so much cool stuff. Let's go. First off, Paul, a bit of a smack upside the head to, to Peter because Paul said, Pete, you talked about spraying soybean aphids, absolutely got to do that if they're over threshold. But you talked about going in to see if the aphids were dead. No, no, no. Stay out of the field for the re-entry period. Oh, Paul, thank you. Exactly right. It's called safety, safety, safety. Stay out of the field once you've sprayed an insecticide. Most insecticides, not all, but most have very high toxicity to growers, to humans. So stay out. Uh, The aphids will die with sufficient it just takes that That two days for them to starve themselves to death. And Paul, as you said, you know that's all I was trying to focus on. If they don't die in the first two days, don't worry about it. Nonetheless, absolutely stay out until you're past that re-entry period. Next, what wacky weather. It just never stops. So we have growers in Chatham, Kent that should have been done wheat harvest ages ago. They're just getting back at it. They are cutting ruts in the field to get the wheat out of the field. In fact, according to my good friend Ed, who is a a great crop consultant in Chatham-Kent, that area has had so much rain in the last 30 days that it is a one in 200 year event. Uh, apparently Detroit has had so much rain that it's a one in 1000 year event. So it is just sopping wet down. There are all sorts of uh, problems because of that. And nobody likes cutting ruts, man, especially when, when it's the middle of summer, you're not supposed to cut r- ruts with wheat harvest. But that's what's going on. Not only ruts, but we have Wild weather, all sorts of high winds and hail. So, from Chatham Kent all the way up into Northern Ontario, a big hail reports coming through and leaves shredded, tiger uh, poles down, corn snapped below the ear. So, my good friend Ryan tweeting out some pictures of cornfields where there's lots of plants that snapped below the ear. We call that green snap. It's from high winds. It's also probably from some hail injury as well. If they're snapped below the ear, man, they are dead. That's all there is to it. it. And nothing you can do about that at this particular point in time. Fortunately, not a lot of green snap out there, but certainly some. For James, up in northern Ontario is not used to to hail on corn. The top leaves are shredded. It's just tasseling. He's saying, what's the level of damage? Man. For the soybeans in Kent County that have holes in them and a few broken stems, for the corn up in James territory with just the leaves shredded, the yield impact is actually really minimal. You have to do significant damage with hail to really bang up the yield. And the Western Canadian producers right now are saying, oh, Johnson, are you off your rocker? Like, we can just get hailed out. And yes, you can get hailed out. Those corn plants that, that got snapped off, that's, that's a 100% loss. And if you broke the soybean plant off down at the bottom or broke it off so that you've lost a lot of that growth, that's absolutely has a big impact. But it's just holes in leaves and shredded leaves. The impact actually ends up being not very much. So that is a good thing. Just before I carry on, one last note. The first diagnostic days video is out, or podcast is out. Sean Haney did it live on weed control with Peter Sycamore and Mike Cobra, and man, that just happened yesterday. But you have to watch that or listen to that podcast. So much great information, just excellent. So get there if you can. Okay, gonna move on to my wonderful world of wheat, and man, it is big wheat time this year, baby. We have reports of wheat yields right up into the 170 bushel per acre area. Yes, I said 170. That's unconfirmed, but that's what I'm hearing. The record The record wheat yield in Ontario that I have ever heard confirmed is 181 bushels per acre. So we are talking big wheat, lots of yields in the 130s and and 120s and 110s. Several growers saying, man, down in that Niagara Peninsula area, 130, 120 bushel per acre. That's like a crop and a half in one year. There are also some pretty poor wheat yields out there. We're getting some down in the 60s. I'll talk about some lodged wheat, but also some of that wheat that just burned in early and, and seemed to die prematurely. There are some lower yields out there. But for the most part, if you're not over 100 bushel per acre, and maybe if you're not over 120 bushel per acre, you better not brag about it at the coffee shop. And not only do we have big wheat yields, but just crazy markets, unbelievably crazy markets. $7 corn, $17 beans, $8 wheat for 2022. I'm not making any predictions because there's a lot of drought out west and into the U.S. north uh, northern plains. I'm not sure what supply will be like, but man, those are pretty good prices. I've never sold $8 wheat before. I think I should sell some $8 wheat, and I've never sold $17 soybeans before. Uh, so I think, I think both of those things you just got to look at. And $7 corn, yeah, it's all pretty good from that perspective. On the quality front, Sprouts downed wheat. It's unbelievable, but the downed wheat where they've gotten those significant rains through Chatham-Kent, that that area has been inundated. It should have been harvested ages ago. There are sprouts, green shoots on the wheat that is lodged That is are at least an inch, if not two inches long. That is a, a bad news scenario, we're starting to get more and more reports out of Niagara, out of Lambton County, where the soft red wheat has started to sprout a little bit, you know, 3% sprouts, 9% sprouts, a reported load of soft white winter wheat at 95% sprouts in Chatham-Kent. Thank goodness we are not like Michigan. We don't still grow predominantly soft white winter. It simply sprouts very bad. Up into Huron County, I'm hearing 12% sprouts in the soft white winter. That's tough because, you know, soft white, you generally grow for the food market. Uh, You don't like taking that downgrading into feed because you get that premium on the soft white. But there is not going to be much good soft white winter wheat out there, I'm afraid, given the weather that we've had. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, you know, big discounts. So, Right now, feed wheat is actually worth more than milling quality wheat because we're short feed until the 2021 corn crop comes off. And so if we only had a bit of feed wheat, we could market that before the corn crop comes off. All of a sudden big discounts. There's so much feed wheat out there that there's huge discounts. $50 a ton is what I'm hearing the discounts go up to. Man, if you have off quality wheat, for goodness sakes, find somewhere to bin it and hold it. What happens at harvest always is that if there's an issue, the trade needs to build some insurance in right now, 2021 corn. So that's this harvest corn is $7 a bushel and feed wheat should be worth that $7 a bushel. If you have it forward contracted at whatever, seven seventeen a bushel. And now all of a sudden you're taking $50 a ton hit. If you can at all bin it, I think that that price or that that grade discount will disappear because we're going to still need that wheat to feed it. But right now, those discounts are in place. Eh, just harsh from that standpoint. So find somewhere to bin it. I really think it will improve. On the straw front, man, all sorts of straw out there. In fact, I'm hearing prices being offered as low as two cents a pound to buy straw. and Nobody's taking that. They're all just chopping it back. And then I look at what's going on in Western Canada, and you recall a few years back we had a hay west program. Boy, that straw could feed a lot of beef cows out west if we could just figure a way to bale it up and compress it tightly enough to make it worthwhile to put on rail cars and ship it out there, or or on trucks and ship it as a part of a backhaul. It's just one of those things that you kind of go. Dang it. I, I know that here in Ontario, we're oversupplied with straw. Uh, don't sell it at two cents, but sending it west to help those growers out. If we could figure out how to do that, it really would be a good thing. Okay. I got to carry on here and talk quickly about some plot results. So Paul tweeting me that 30 pounds more nitrogen in some t- replicated strip tiles, 20 bushel per acre more yield. Mark, with a similar trial, 15 bushel per acre plus a higher test weight, 1.1 kilograms per hectoliter, higher test weight. Brad down in Lambton counting, saying, hey, Peter, so I don't think I'm getting any more yield. I'm adding some more nitrogen, but my test weight is really high and my neighbor's test weight who aren't managing as well are not anywhere close to my test weight. Well, almost for sure, that's a maturity thing, Brad. You're just higher management, more nitrogen. You're not as mature, and so it's still at that high test weight. It could also be other things, but it's probably just that maturity thing. Chris saying he has clover as high as his wheat where he had winter kill, areas in the field at 60 bushels other areas at 125 bushels he's actually pretty happy with the wheat overall averaging about 100 bushel per acre but chris always 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 when you have thin wheat single cut red clover just because double cut is going to do that it's going to challenge that that wheat harvest that's what happened there here's one that's really cool i just unbelievable jacob sending me an email take-all in the wheat crop planted after long-term grass sod, a hay crop, and they applied 832.16 with the wheat seed as their starter fertilizer in the overlaps. So where they overlapped that 832.16, there is grain in the heads. In the rest of the field, there is basically nothing. It's take-all and it's taken it all. And that's what we get when we plant wheat after grass hay sometimes. But we've always said that potash would help suppress that. We needed 30 pounds of potash basically to get there in this case. They got 32 pounds of potash in the overlapped areas and it was enough to suppress the take all. It's not perfect, but man, that is just so cool that that actually worked out. Jerry saying, okay, Peter, I'm in the Niagara Peninsula with a low falling number, all these sprouts. What about seed wheat? Nah, Jerry, you know what? Don't worry about it. When we grew soft white, we'd have sprouts out the yin yang and we dry that wheat or we'd get it dry. And you'd think, oh, the the germ has to be terrible on it. And you'd run the germ test and it would be 90, 92, 95, 97% germination. As long as the the flap on the end of the kernel hasn't broken, and probably even if it has, that wheat will still re-wet and germinate. It's always astounded me. The only trick is if you're drying that wheat, the plenum temperature must be low. You can't get that germ over 120 degrees Fahrenheit or you kill the germ. So not higher than 150 plenum temperature if you're drying wheat that's going to go for seed. Greg saying, hey, Peter, help me with some math. Uh, what's the cost when, if I over-dry the wheat versus if I take it off wet and I have a discount schedule because of, of drying costs? So you lose in weight... If you are 1% over dry, so if you're at 12.5 or 12%, like generally wheat is dry at 13.5, so if you're at 12.5, you're 1% over dry, you lose 1.1% in weight. You think, well, it's 1% over dry, that's 1% in weight. No, the way the math works, it's 1.1% in weight for every percent that it's over dry, And so if wheat is $300 a ton and you're 1% over dry, you just gave up $3.30 per bushel. You can do that math versus your drying schedules, but between quality and test weight, just get the wheat out of the field. Don't worry about that. John saying, hey, Peter, you know, I tweeted you about this lodged wheat that lodged early, it lodged hard, it lodged flat that wheat where it's lodged is yielding under 50 bushels per acre or about 50 bushels per acre where it's standing the wheat is a hundred bushels per acre plus wow john that's a huge hit way bigger than most we're seeing lots of 10 bushel hits or eight bushel hits something like that from lodged wheat but 50 bushels it must have lodged early and it either pulled the roots out that's root lodging it did enough root damage that we weren't getting water into the plant or we broke the stems that's likely what happened but that begs the question why did we see so much lodged wheat and and johnson you've been a wheat guy forever why weren't you telling us that it was going to be a wheat lodging year use more growth regulators use less nitrogen oh wait a minute it was dry All the way from May the 1st till middle of June, dry weather means it's not going to lodge. Plus, it was cold. For most of that time, not all of it. But, and, and when it's cold, it means shorter plants, less lodging. So why do we have the lodging? Some really cool new information from Josh Asielski. He's the new cropping systems guy at the University of Guelph. And he looked at the weather from June 1st to July the 14th at Arva, where we have one of our plots that lodged horribly. And the lowest photothermal quotient since the year 2000, what's a photothermal quotient? Well, that is the amount of radiation or sunlight that we can use for photosynthesis per growing degree day unit or per heat unit. So basically, the wheat is going through its growth stages based on heat, and it was flying and we had lots of cloud, we didn't have nice sunny days, and so we got less photosynthate. And what does that mean? It means we probably put more of the stem reserves into the grain, more from the roots into the grain. We know that in corn that can happen. We'll remobilize from the roots into the grain of the corn crop. And so that's likely part of the answer at least for why we had so much lodging. And... Johnson feels a little bit vindicated for not predicting it being a lodging year. But on that note, man, it is corn pollination time. And as Dr. Dave, Dave Hooker, University of guelph Town campus tweeted out, like the two weeks before pollination, the two weeks after pollination, we need lots of photosynthate, so we set lots of kernels on that cob. And what do we have? Smoke and smog and rain and clouds and we don't have sunshine and so is that corn crop and mark tweeting out every stock has two cobs is it going to set two cobs are we going to double the corn yield of course everybody knows the answer to that is no But actually, with all this crappy, cloudy weather, we may not set as big a corn yield as we think. Now, it looks awesome, so I'm not trying to be a naysayer, but man, bring on the sun. We need the sunshine. On the corn front, alert, alert, alert. Western bean cutworm. Oh my gosh, Mike Pastor tweeting out 500 moths in a week. He's in. A hot spot area down on the sands around Delhi uh, in, in the sand plains of Norfolk County. If you're in a hot spot, Ryan, my good friend out of Lambton County, finding egg masses in the hot spots around Bothwell, around the Caradoc sand plains at Strathroy, but not finding any on the clays to speak of. So keep scouting, but if you're in a hot spot, the western bean cutworm are lining up with pollination of the corn crop. And as Christofonso out of Michigan State points out, that means added risk of more gibberella or fusarium in the corn crop. And you look at the weather and you just say, man, if this isn't fusarium weather for the corn crop, I don't know what is. If you're a hog producer and you need clean corn... I think you just have to spray, and remember, green silks, that's the timing. Last, Adam saying, hey, Peter, all these yellow soybeans out there, I, I just cannot believe that added nitrogen is not going to pay because there's no nodules, there's poor root systems. Adam, absolutely, I talked with Horse Bonner, the soybean specialist. The problem is that even if you add nitrogen, there's no root system there. And if it dries out enough that the plant can grow new roots, they will nodulate. And even in August, Horst has seen them as late as August to nodulate and they come on. And because it's August that makes the soybean crop, you don't often see big yield boosts to that nitrogen on the soybean crop, but it would make a great plot, Adam. So get out there, do some strips with some nitrogen on those yellow soybeans, and let's see if we can't make more than the two bushels that horse predicts that we can't make maybe five or eight bushels per acre by the way horse has a great article up on field crop news oh i'm way over time that's it that's all on behalf of the team here on realagriculture.com this is wheat beat with the word for the 21st of july keep them coming man we'll be back next week